there, everybody. I wanted to come on and give you some context to how beautiful and important this episode is to me personally. Vishen Lakiani was one of my heroes, is one of my heroes, and has been since 2016 or so. And the roundabout way that we ended up becoming friends and meeting is, is quite a funny story. I went to one of his events called Extraordinary Summit back in 2016 in San Diego. And on the second day of the event, they did the six-phase meditation that he teaches, which is absolutely incredible. But he added a seventh phase. And bear in mind, we were doing about 40 minutes per phase on this Sunday where he was teaching. And on that seventh phase, he called it merging at the time, which was essentially going into like our future self and bringing that back to the now and getting visions or ideas or knowings about the future. And at the time, I wasn't a filmmaker but I saw a vision of me holding a camera and literally filming vision. And I was like, that's crazy. I can't imagine why that would happen or how that would happen. Maybe it's just like um, kind of alluding to something, but you know, like a dream isn't necessarily the exact truth. And lo and behold, about a year later, I was at Mindvale University and I was filming vision. Now, after that merging thing, he actually asked if anyone wanted to share what they saw. And I volunteered and said, I had a vision that I was filming with you, Vision, and the audience actually laughed at me. Like the people around me giggled and Vision was like, oh, that's really cool, next please. And I just felt so like, oh, and that's just what I remember, whether that's the truth or whether I was just under pressure and exaggerating it, I'm not sure. But that's the story of how we originally met. I went to Barcelona and I made the first vlog ever. If you haven't seen any of those vlogs, you can check it out on my YouTube channel, which is just Skip Kelly. I've left a lot of those up. There's new ones coming from Estonia, Mindvalley University this year that just ended. And that's where we filmed this episode of the show, and, which is going to be now called The Wonder Soul Show very soon. And I've got new branding coming out that I'm pretty excited about with it. So just to give that context of that's how we met. And I've just been such an awesome raving fan and friend of his ever since. And this episode really means a lot to me. I asked a lot of questions that were very personal and he gave answers that are really having me, even now, rethink my whole life in so many beautiful ways. And he's just such a wealth of knowledge, inspiration, wisdom, and is such an inspiring person for me. And I hope this episode, uh, you can re-listen to it many times like I am, and I, I hope it shifts your own perspective. And something I like to say is that it's not about what he or I say, it's about what sparks in you. And the most genius ideas that you'll ever get from any show or any education is really the stuff that comes from your own heart, your own soul, your own brain. So enjoy. Wow. So mid MVU, we're in the last week. How do you feel? This has been the most relaxing MVU ever. I've, I've totally loved it. I've been focused on one thing, and that is really bringing the closest people in my life together, right? Like after three years of this, this darn pandemic, everyone I love in the world has been scattered. And, and I'm, my dharma in life is really about connecting people. And so this has been amazing. I have my family here. I have my kids here. I have my best friends. I have people whom I work with. I have business partners. I have employees. I have close friends from all around the world. Over a hundred people who are so close to me are here in these weeks. And I've just been doing my best to get them to connect. And so it's really been wonderful. And my team is amazing. I, I have this incredible woman called Laura, who is running the entire show. And I don't even know how she does it. But she's everything is flawless. Everything is just so perfect. I just have to focus on 
being here, helping my friends connect, giving a good talk when I need to, and everything is so smooth. Wow, beautiful that you've built that team for that. Yeah. So what's the difference in your perspective seeing your kids come to the program since 2017? Because that was the right. initial inspiration for the whole thing, is to be able to bring your family to a place like this, and particularly your kids, to introduce them to all these ideas and concepts and surround them with other people and other kids that are in that same world. So what's it been like to see Hayden and Eve kind of grow through the years with this? You know, my, my good friend, John Butcher, says, where did we ever get the idea as parents that we need to trust the government to educate our children? Yet think about it. That's how we live life. We enroll our kids in these government institutions called schools, and we trust that they're going to do a good job. And look, my mom is a public school teacher. My mom worked for the government. I know my mom did the best job she could, but still teachers are constrained by a curriculum. And then also in schools, your kids are primarily only hanging out with other people their age. You know, and how much can you learn from a 10-year-old? If you're a 10-year-old, right? I learn a lot from, my, from, my, from kids today. But when you bring these kids to Mind Valley University, what I love about it is, firstly, my children are learning curriculum that is off the government-sanctioned, approved school curriculum. My son is learning how to build a business. My eight-year-old daughter I happened to walk into the children's thing, and she was learning how to make products, right? They were teaching the kids how to make paper slippers, paper shoes. And then the best part was this. They had to pitch and market the shoe to a judge, sort of like Shark Tank, but with paper shoes. And I was asking my daughter, why did her shoe say Marissa on it? Love, Marissa. And she explained to me the idea she'd come up with. She's like, well, look, everyone is pitching these, these shoes to the judges. I know the judge's name is Marisha. And I want to show the judge that what I've created is a customizable shoe with her name on it. Because I bet she loves her name. It's the customizable shoe, and I'm going to ask extra money for it. And I thought, wow, what an amazing lesson for an eight-year-old, right? To learn how to design a customizable product. My son was in the teens program. And I don't even know where he got this from because he's never discussed this with me, but they had to pitch business ideas. And he came up with an idea to produce a device that can detect carcinogens in food. And so as you are putting together food, you are able to see like what foods you might want to take off to reduce cancer risk. And I think he, he, he and his team won, won like best pitch. And so that is what is most exciting. But it's not just my kids. My business partner, Lorenzo, we run a fitness company together. So Lorenzo's kid, Mika, is here as well. He's 14. And I asked Lorenzo, how's your son doing? And he goes, honestly, I don't know. I don't see him. He's out with the other kids till 1 a.m. They're playing basketball. They're exploring the old town because it's so safe here. They're going out for meals on their own. But, he said, but Lorenzo said, but I love it. I absolutely love it because Mika is learning how to socialize. Mika is learning how to make friendships. Mika is free in this safe environment versus, you know, South Africa, where they are from. And so one by one, we're hearing stories of the kids. And really what we're finding is it is the children. It is the children that don't want to leave. Kids are crying when they found out that uh, their parents had only enrolled them for like one or two weeks. And then they wanted to extend to week three and they couldn't. Um, and so, and many parents who were able to Enroll, re-enroll their kids because they, they signed up early, they stayed back because their kids refused to leave. So the kids program is really probably the most exciting thing that we've created here. And that's why I do this. Even though Mind Valley University isn't something that 
makes a ton of profit. You know, like this year, we probably will lose a little bit of money. Um, it's it's a project I do because this is helping my children become better at, at who they are. And for that alone, this three weeks to me is worthwhile. Now, if I could help hundreds of children, thousands of adults, all the better. Mm. But I do this for my kids. That's beautiful. So there's been another skill I've noticed you've progressed at dramatically over the years. And I want you to talk about that process with yourself. When we do these dinners, the author dinners with all your friends and all the speakers, back in 2017, you always organized a group photo and you always did these introductions, which were great. And they were very like straight to the point. And like, I understood who everybody was in the room. So I knew who I wanted to talk to about which thing. Over the years, it's gotten to be essentially a stand-up comedy routine where it's actually the number one thing I look forward to in those nights is I just, I want to be there for the introductions because of how hilarious it's gotten and how many like fantastical things happen in the moment. And there's two questions with that. Number one, I'd like to know what you've done, if anything, to develop that skill set that you've developed, because it's it's very clear that it's not just you enjoy introducing them. There's there's been developments there, and I'm curious what those are, like how you've developed that skill, or why, or who helped you, all of that. And then the second one is how your perspective on speaking has changed. The first time I ever saw you was 2016, and and you were a phenomenal speaker then. The way that that's changed to me over the years is it seems like you you definitely enter like a flow state when you go on stage at any given time now where maybe before you, there would take there would be like a 30 second or a 60 second warm up where now it's like this morning you just jump on stage while Gotham's doing Eric Edmides and it's immediately into this persona that's just fun to, like phenomenal on stage and i feel like those might be connected your ability to be like a stand up right. comedian on a dime right and how that's changed your stage presence so I've been working on several ways to to change what is the the creative flow of the way my brain works, right? So one of the things I do every single morning, and I learned this from a great spiritual teacher of mine, I set an intention for creativity, I set an intention for intellect, and I set an intention for flow. Now, many people don't think this. When they wake up in the morning, they might set an intention, oh, I hope I'm going to have a good day, oh, I hope I'm going to be able to be productive at work. But no, all productivity, all Everything we do, the way we show up, these three things matter. Your intellect, your creative ability, and being able to access flow. But I also set a fourth intention, serendipity. I want the world to unfold, my day to unfold with serendipity. Now, serendipity are those moments where I suddenly am in the audience and I get an idea and I want to go and I want to share it with everyone in the room. And because it's my, 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 my event, I get on stage and I share the idea. So today I had an idea to just pull up other people from the audience in the closing ceremony and like do kind of a performance thing, immediately jump on stage and make it happen. That's serendipity. But as I get on stage, I creatively know how to make a joke, how to get the people warmed up. My intellect makes me really precise and I'm in flow. That means my movement, the way I speak, everything is aligned. These four things are really powerful things to cultivate. We all have them, but most people do not set an intention for them. Now think about it, right? We we set intentions to 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 have high energy on a day. We might set an intention for that. You might set an intention to finish a particular project, like a long form email you have to write on time. But what if we set intentions for a beingness to be optimal? And these four things matter to me. 
intellect ability, intellectual ability, creativity, flow, and serendipity. This is why I can get on stage anytime and I instantly know what to say. And likewise, when we are in these circles, it's spontaneous. I don't know what I'm going to say until I say it. But when I say it, it's just instantaneous. But I've trained my brain to be in that state naturally on command. Anybody can do that. What have you done to train your brain to be in that state? So there are a couple of things. One is meditation. When you meditate, you put your brain in a really creative level of mind. Now, science can measure this, right? It's the alpha frequency. It's the frequent, It's the brainwave that is associated with flow, with creativity. But the more you meditate, the more you stay there. If you get stressed out, you go to beta. Beta is stress. It slows down creativity. Now, with beta, you can get things done. If you are working on programming or something, you can get things done. But if you want to be fluid, you want to be in flow, you got to be naturally calm. So meditation is one. The second thing I do is supplements. So I supplement a lot. I take 5-HTP and GABA. These are great supplements for cognition. 5-HTP actually puts you in a beautiful, nice, happy state. All of these are essential for flow. And the third thing is self-appreciation. Every time I say something funny, every time I, I, I do well on stage, every time I do one of these circles and something comes out and it's, and, and it's funny and it makes people laugh, I celebrate myself mentally. I'm not going, hey, give vision a pat on the back. No, I'm just mentally going, oh, that was pretty funny. I'm, I'm impressed. I did that. And the next time it comes back, the more you self-talk and you tell yourself, wow, you know, that was pretty good, the more you'll do these good things. Beautiful. So then one more question, I'll let you go to your meeting and then we can continue. Yeah. But I feel like your ability to envision big things and to dream up things has also shifted a lot over the years, right? So this original MVU was like this vision to have your kids experience right. a new city and live somewhere. And then the following year, it, it grew tremendously, right? It was like triple the size. It was here in Estonia. It was epic. There was a super like right. intense, it was all of that. And each year it's improved dramatically. And of course it's been three years, so it's improved a lot mm. since Pula in 2019. What's your current philosophy on dreaming of big things and, and helping them be created or manifested? And I feel like it's gonna maybe be associated with those four things that you already mentioned about your speaking ability, but what's your current philosophy on envisioning dreams and then allowing them to happen? And, and why do we get the dreams that we get so, so my biggest belief on this is that it comes from Michael Beckwith. The universe doesn't give you what you want. The universe gives you who you are. And so rather than focus on the future, rather than focus on, you know, this beautiful new home that you want, or rather than focus on this new book that you want to get out, I actually stop thinking about my future in terms of goals. Rather, I keep thinking about myself in terms of who I am. So... I'll give you an example. I used to have a goal, write 10 New York Times bestsellers. I'm at two right now. My third book is coming out. Hopefully I'll be at three. But honestly, right now, I don't give a damn. Rather, I focus on the, because uh, that's an external validation. Rather, I focus on an identity. I'm a creative person with great stories that can inspire people. And that's what I focus on. And in the morning when I meditate, I'm not visualizing myself on the New York Times bestseller list but I'm repeating this question in my mind, and I call it a lofty question. It's not an affirmation. Rather, it is a question that, that gets your mind to expand to answer the question. And the question might be, why am I able to inspire people with my stories and lessons? Now, it doesn't matter if it makes the New York Times. If you set that as a goal, you could be under a lot of stress. 
But if your identity is why am I so good at inspiring people with my lessons and stories? Why is my body so healthy and fit? Why do I have so many amazing friends? It's a combination of gratitude, but it's also a it's also a request to the universe on what you want to bring into your life, and that is the secret. But it's all identity statements. It's not goals that you set for an external validation because if you chase that, you're not going to be truly happy. You're always going to be trying to get to the next goal and the next goal and the next goal. I mean, it's like trying to chase the horizon. The closer you get, the further it goes away from you, right? Like, I felt it was ridiculous. At one point, my goal was to write a New York Times bestseller. I did that, then I was like, no, I need 10 because my friend, Dr. Mark Hyman, has 10. And then I got two, and then Dr. Mark Hyman got to 14, and then I felt like shit. And I'm like, no, this is stupid. Why am I putting myself up to this? So I don't know if I may ever write a book again. I really don't know. But I know this. What I want to live life is to be able to help inspire people with great stories. And I'm happy with that. And I don't care if it's a group of 20 people in a beautiful, you know, in a, in, in, in a beautiful setting. It's about how I feel at that any given moment. The universe doesn't give you what you want. It gives you who you are. And that's how I live my life. So I repeat these statements to myself every single morning. Statements like, why am I so good at building and growing a business? Why am I an amazing CEO um, who can who can channel the vision and creativity of my team? Why do I have such amazing friends around the world? Why do I wake up every day feeling so positive and energized and refreshed? Why do I have so much love in my life? These are my goals. My goals are no longer these empirical things that you have to measure and continuously chase. Mm. And it's made me so much happier. What's your relationship with your identity as vision? and your identity as everything? It's my identity as vision and my identity as everything. What is my identity as everything? I almost don't wanna answer that question because I feel like it would, it would lead you down a certain path, but. So let me try to answer that. I believe that our life is part destiny and our life is part free will. It's not either or, it's a combination. Marie Diamond, um, who's a spiritual teacher that I've worked with, whom I, I really respect, she says one-third of your life is destiny. One-third is your free will. You manifest what you want. One-third is the energy of the people around you. So it's one-third, one-third, one-third. So that movie, you know, the secret that you can get anything you want, not really true. And Marie Diamond, by the way, was, was in that movie. Now, how I view my identity as vision is, there's one-third of my life where I am fulfilling my dharma, right? That's an Indian... Sanskrit word that means like your, your soul's mission. And to me, my soul's mission is about connecting people. So every time I'm connecting people, I feel fulfilled. And this is why you see me hosting these parties, connecting people. I don't get anything out of it. I even put my own money in to organize these events. But connecting people, I feel so fulfilled. When people come to me and say, hey, I met my wife because of you. That is the, the most amazing thing. So that's one. So that is the vision that I have to serve. It is an identity. It is vision to connect, a vision that creates mind value, vision that gets ideas out and bring people together. I can never move away from that. I find that every time I, tr I get bored with that, which does happen, and I want to go and start a new business idea, something will happen to pull me back to that. That's my dharma. Then there's the vision 
that is continuously discovering himself. This is the vision that's continuously shaping his identity, deciding, you know, maybe I don't want to write a book. Maybe I want to be a great storyteller. Maybe I don't want to live in Malaysia anymore. Maybe I want to move to Estonia. Maybe I want to spend more time with my kids and take a month off work. That's the vision that's constantly self-discovering itself. And then the third vision is the vision I am within the context of my deep friendships. As Marie Diamond says, the energy of the people around you, they're going to shape you. And so I'm a different vision, vision to each of my maybe 100 different friends. I know how I serve their life. I know how they serve me. And I fulfill these packs, karmic or made up. You know, I fulfill these packs. So there are three visions at any given time. And it's a beautiful way of seeing life. And it's what helps me function the way I do. I mean, obviously your mom was a school teacher, like you mentioned, and she teaches public speaking. She did a workshop here that was like slammed. It was like 250 people trying to squeeze into this space, hearing her, her present. But what were some of the other key things, if you could say anything that you got from them? So I think my mom being a teacher is what really made me want to be a teacher. But I also saw how hard my mom had to work. She was a, a public school teacher in Malaysia. I mean, we're talking relative to today, a couple of hundred dollars a month. I remember at one point she had to drive two hours to school, two hours back because they stationed her in a school that was a two-hour drive away. And so being a teacher just seemed like a really hard life. And then my dad became an entrepreneur when I was a teenager, and I saw how suddenly our family had money. All of a sudden we could do things that we'd always wanted to do. All of a sudden I could go from a, a crappy public school to a proper good private school because we couldn't afford that before, right? And so these two ideas came together. Teach, but teach as an entrepreneur. And I guess that was the gift my parents had given me. I became a teacher entrepreneur, and the result was Mind Valley. What was like the scariest moment of building the company? Because we were building Mind Valley so far away from the US, and we were an American company, but we were building it outside the US because I wasn't an American citizen and I didn't have um, a visa. I, I couldn't stay in the U.S. And so the hard part was being so distant from everything, being so far away from, from our market, from our customers, from, from the teachers. And we had to figure out how to crack that code of geography. And so how we did that is by making Mind Valley really mega global. In Malaysia, we created such an incredible culture that we had people from 60 different countries walking the hallways of our office. And then we created these global events like AFES, like Mind Valley University. And so all of a sudden, the authors that we needed to meet, the talent we needed, the people we needed, they came to us. And so we, we had to change the paradigms. We, we refused to see ourselves as a little company in a developing country. We changed the paradigm from being in Malaysia itself, we decided we were not going to be a Malaysian company. We were being, going to be a global personal growth company, and we were going to conquer the American market and beat our American competition without even having to set foot in America. So when you think like that, it's a whole different game. It gets scary, but we did that. And because of that, now um, we, we have that edge that we have. Yeah. So in this this whole process of going global, of building the company, was there ever a time where you were like, mm, I think I'm gonna shut it down? Yeah. What was that? 
in 2011, the, uh, my business partner, um, he tried to oust me from the company because he thought I was too crazy, I was too erratic. And he was a smart guy. He had a Stanford MBA. Um, but he was, he was an operations person. You need both. You need an operations person and you need an entrepreneur, someone who can see the vision. The mistake I made is I got an operations person as a co-founder. I should have hired an operations person. And so I learned that lesson. Rather than shut down the company, I bought him out. So he went away with four and a half million dollars. I bought him out. I took the, I wrapped up the entire company. Then I hired the right operations people to execute on the visions he told me were crazy. And in that first year, we grew the company by almost 80% in one year. Unrestricted from a guy who was telling me that I was not good enough, that I was too insane, that my ideas wouldn't work. But that year, before I finally got this massive bank loan to buy him out, I wanted to quit because my life was miserable. I'd been told by my business partner that I was unworthy, that I didn't know what I was doing, and uh, that I should step back from the company. And so that, that was the hardest moment for me that year, 2010, 2011. It seems like even to this day, right, a lot of the things I hear from people, even when they're talking about you casually, outside of MVU, in MVU, right, they're like, wow, he's like so far and moves so fast and has so many ideas and, and I cherish that. That's like totally my wheelhouse and, I, and right. I love that and I feel like I can just run faster and faster with people like that. What are your best practices to this day that you've noticed help manage, mediate, or smooth that out? Because obviously you're doing a great job. Like they'll say that and you still get all the things right. done. What are the like best practices for that? I treat my body and my mind like an athlete. So when you're an entrepreneur, it's you're like you're training for the Olympics and um, you can't afford to lose. To lose means the death of your business. And you got to know the odds, right? The odds are stacked against you. I mean, what are the statistics? 19 out of 20 small businesses die out in the first four to five years. The odds are stacked against you. So you got to be able to, and the mistake most people make is they focus on the business. No, stupid idea. You focus on the business with an untrained mind, with a body that can't give you the energy that you need without sleep, without the ability to focus, you're going to fail. That's like trying to win a race because you're focused on the right shoe to wear. You got to train yourself. And so I'm obsessed about this. The way I meditate, the way I work out, the way I eat, the way I rejuvenate myself, the way I, I take care of my body is like an athlete. Yesterday I was running around at a party, right? And, um, and I'm still enjoying the party, but one of the, the um, Mind Valley people was there said, Vision, why don't you relax? And I said, I am relaxed. She's like, but you're running around. I'm like, to your perception, I may seem like I'm running around, but that's because my job here is to make sure everyone is connecting and having a good time. That is my dharma. To me, it's effortless. My energy is infinite. And I, would, I stay to the party till 3 a.m. Now, obviously, I had to be running around. The cops came. Music was too loud. I was the only sober person who could talk to the cops and make sure things were smoothed out. But at the same time, I was relaxed. I was rejuvenated. And so this person asked me, well, why don't you relax? And I'm like, because before coming to this party, I meditated for 30 minutes. I took a 30-minute nap. I had a 30-minute tea conversation with a friend. I'm so fucking relaxed right now. You don't even know. And that's what people don't get. They see the running around. 
but they don't see the quiet time I spend every day in deep meditation, in journaling, in contemplation. They don't see the hours I spend sitting with the right people, just soaking in knowledge and information and connecting. And so I walk that delicate line. I refuse to work more than 40 to 45 hours a week. But for every hour I work, I'm about 10 times more effective than a normal human. But I do that because I take my rest time, my rejuvenation time, my healing time super seriously, just like athletes do. Athletes need to rejuvenate. They need to rest. They need to take care of their body. They need to train their mind. They need to grow. I spend so much time in all of that. And that's why business for me is effortless. And as I grow Mind Valley, I don't get older. I actually get younger. You look at pictures of me every year, I get younger every year. That's right? true. I get healthier, younger, fitter, stronger. My meditations get deeper. My focus gets crisper. What's the bit of information or the expert that you're most excited about right now that you personally are really diving into in your there are so many, right? Because as the as the head of Mind Valley, I have to go through so many different unique ideas. Um, I spent a lot of time with Donna and David Eden, or Donna Eden and David Feinstein. Um, they speak about energy medicine and the energies of love, and that's something I've really gotten into this week because we did a beautiful walk together. And energy medicine is the idea of being able to work with your energy body to heal and rejuvenate your body. The energies of love is the idea of being able to work with the energies between people to understand your partner, to be able to be in sync with the needs of the people around you, to be able to generate love and compassion and also self-love. And so playing with both of these ideas, the energy body for healing and the energy body for love has been really intriguing for me. What's your philosophy on... Like earlier, you mentioned Dharma and this like alignment in life and how those things can kind of happen more effortlessly, especially when you're taking care of your body like an athlete, but also with this energy work and all of the things that Donna and David teach. What's your philosophy on progression of that identity or, or what someone else might call goals, right? Mm -hmm. Like we talked about earlier, like the 10 New York Times bestseller to me as an outsider looking at you is sort of inevitable if you continue to write books, right. right? Maybe that doesn't seem like that to you, but as an outsider, I'm like, of course that would happen if he just kept writing, like right. it would just happen. To me, that seems really obvious because of who you are, how you show up in the world and all of the things we've talked about in this 40 minutes or however long this has been, all the cultivation of those four mm -hmm. traits that you mentioned, the cultivation of your body, the cultivation of your mind, of your energy, right? just seems inevitable. My philosophy on that is if you did all of those things, anything you turned your attention to- It's gonna grow. Would right. sort of be inevitable. However, there's also, like you mentioned, if you in the past have ever gotten kind of a little bit out of alignment with that Dharma, with that teaching as an entrepreneur, that something kind of kicks you back, right? Or kind of moves you back into that, that path. What about that? So. So goals is a really interesting topic. I have a life book, of course, Mind Valley's life book protocol. So I have a hundred page list of how I want to live my life. But it's not just the material possessions or the travel. In fact, it's very little of that. So much of the life book is what are the persistent emotional states that I want to experience? What are the character traits that I want to embody? Integrity, honor, respect. 
who are the people I want to surround myself with? Who, what is the, how do I want to treat my body? How do I want to respect my body? How do I want to explore my spirituality? So the 12 categories of life book, only two of them are focused on what Americans may think of as goals, finance and career. And finance and career, in my case, is all about experiencing life and serving other people, right? But the other 10 categories are so beautiful, so pure. They're about life in the moment, and people forget them. How many people do you know set goals for the values that they want to demonstrate daily or the quality of relationships they want to have with their friends, their family, their children, their parents? Those are the most important things. And as the, the older I'm getting, I'm going to be 50 in three years or three and a half years. The older I'm getting, the more those things become become important. I've already hit, you know, like, like, like a, um, a career level most people would dream of. I'm going to continue growing. My career will still grow about 10 more times, but that's not what excites me. You know what excites me? What excites me is the idea of being able to travel the world with my family, and I'm doing that in, in a few weeks. I'm, I'm doing a road trip in Norway. My children are going to be there. My mom is going to be there. We're just going to explore nature, be in Norway. And, and that, to me, is living life like that is one of the most amazing things, but having the space where I can step away from work for seven days to make that trip happen, have the energy, the money, the freedom. So those are the goals that more matter to me at this stage. Don't get me wrong. I want to make Mindvalley a $100 billion valuation company. We want to change the face of global education. That is an inevitability. But part of that education that we want to change is to get people off this stupid rat race of more, 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 this rat race that creates broken humans. And so for me to get people there to build this, the most important education company in the history of the planet, I got to demonstrate these ideas. I cannot be a broken human. That's the intricate dance. I got to build a $100 billion company because that's my dharma. I got to do it while being happy, solid, healthy, having time for family, working no more than 40 to 45 hours a week, and being able to live life to the fullest without sacrifice. That's the delicate dance I seek to do. Do you have any philosophies on marketing from the stance of what you just talked about, where it's like so much marketing sort of implies that people are not who they could be or should be, right? As opposed to here's what we could become if you mm -hmm. want to become that and you're already amazing as you are. So the marketing that I've been toying with a lot in my head in my businesses is like, you are so perfect. And here is a thing that if you feel really called to it, you could become even more of what you already right. are, right? Are you incorporating things like that into yeah. Mindvalley? Absolutely, absolutely. So that's why our tagline is step into your greatness. Because people who step into their greatness are people who already hold, they're already complete. It's not, our tagline is not fix your broken shit, yo. It's step into your greatness because we know you're already good. But the people that join Mind Valley are people who want to go from good to great. And what that means is it's a dance of two things. It is happiness in the now. It's truly living life, being grateful, being blissful, being connected. But at the same time, doing something good for the world. It's not just being happy in the now. It's having a future vision, a future goal, 
that's pulling you forward. And ideally a vision or goal that uplifts others. That's why there are so many entrepreneurs here. There are so many writers. There are so many people who are building new technologies or new products or creative people like yourself. They want to do things that can give them joy, but also make the world better. If you're not doing that, if you're just happy in the now, well, that's a stupid way of living. You can get happy from smoking a joint, right? Happiness is fleeting. Fulfillment. Fulfillment comes from two things, from growth and contribution. And so you got to be happy in the now, but you got to have this aspect of yourself that's thinking about the future and seeking to grow yourself, but also seeking to contribute to the world in some way through your product, your service, or your mission. That's the secret ingredient to a human being stepping into their greatness. And I also understand from what you said earlier that when you say Mind Valley is going to be a hundred billion dollar company, that's just a number that could be labeled. It's a number. It has to do with the impact. value, right? Yeah. With the value that we want to bring to the world. Mm -hmm. And I actually was just asked by your team. I was on camera, and they asked me, like, if you were talking to someone that doesn't know anything about Mind Valley. And Mind Valley can have a lot of associations with it, especially as it's grown and developed mm -hmm. over the years. And so they asked me, what what is Mind Valley to me? Like, what do I see it as? And the way I described it is when you currently think about education in the world, you think about primary school in America, you think about middle school and high school, and then you think about university or college education. And I kind of think of Mind Valley not as a company or even a community or a brand or even an idea. It's it's really to me, it seems like we're just in the beginnings of a system, the same type of system that you might say college is or university right. is, but it's just a newer, modernized version of that that is done in such a different way. Just like university is very different than primary school. In primary school, you show up in the beginning of the day, you leave at the end of the day, you have set classes. In university, it's a huge transformation. You're usually living there. You are an adult now. You have very little rules, if any. You can pick all of your classes and you're very specialized or you don't have to be necessarily. And so I sort of see Mindvalley as like the next evolution of this, which is a really interesting thought, right? Because when you think about university as an idea or as a, a methodology for education, there is so much in there. You've got Harvard, you've got Stanford, you've got Oxford, you've got community college, you've got post-doctorate degrees. You, you've, you've got so many things wrapped up in the idea of university. And so similarly, I feel like we're really at like Bitcoin at three cents with Mindvalley, where it's like there's just so many things in the future mm -hmm. for this. Just like if you had ever seen the first university, you would have been like, oh, it's just like a fancy high school. But it has become what it is now, where it's, it's ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. It's like everyone goes to uni or talks about it, right? And I kind of see Mindvalley in a similar sense. So the question is for you, what is the path from where we are here? You've got online programs that are wonderful, tons and tons of members. We've got these live events that happen occasionally, right? Hopefully once a year, which is another question I'll get into. Where do we go from here to there in, in your vision? I know there's going to be many yeah. other people so that help. So there are help. three things, three things we got to do, right? So the first thing is we got to teach the curriculums that truly matter. Most universities are still based on an outdated model teaching you what you need to get a job, which is, it's great, but it's not the most important thing. What we want to teach are the curriculum that actually leads to human happiness. So health and wellness, relationships. In Mind Valley, you can take a course on becoming a better parent. You can take a course on optimizing your body. You can take a course on biohacking. You can take a course on mastering sleep, which is so important. You can take a course on lucid dreaming or astral projection, advanced levels of things to do in sleep. You can take a course on 
um, becoming the most amazing mom or dad you can be, but you can also take a cost on getting a business to a million, and then there's a cost on getting a business to a hundred million, all by the world's greatest teachers. And so we get these phenomenal things, and we build the world's best courses on them. That's the first thing. But then the second thing is, you gotta make learning lifelong. And so we design our university, our model, so that 20 minutes a day on the Mind Valley app, in 30 days, you've mastered a completely whole new domain of life. So in 30 days, with Nereal's focus and indistractability course, you develop laser focus. In, in uh, some courses take longer, like in 90 days on WildFit, you completely transform your relationship with food. If everyone did this Coca-Cola and McDonald's would go on a business, they would no longer be able to brainwash billions of dollars of billions of people. That's number two, right? We, we make it lifelong. University says that after four years, you graduate, you're done, you know, you, you live life on a hamster wheel, earning, working paycheck to paycheck. That's how most people live. At Mind Valley, no, you constantly get better. Your life is meant to never stop getting better. If you look at the average American after university, their life starts getting worse, their health gets worse, their social isolation gets worse, they lose connection with their friends. Mind Valley is different. With Mind Valley, your life gets better and better and better. The longer you're with it, the better it gets. And the third thing is the most important. If you think about university, it's really about community, it's about connection. But when you leave the campus, you lose that. Most people lose that. In Mind Valley, you never lose that. There are events all around the world that you can connect with, where you can connect with people, you can meet people. Our app, we just created an AI that does human introductions. So every day you get introduced to members around the world. You can show up in Berlin or Paris or New York or LA or a tiny little town in Texas and find Mind Valley members that will take you out for coffee and host you. You are never, ever, ever lonely again for the rest of your life. Those three things are how we create better humans. Now, of course, there's more. But these three things are the bedrock of everything else and how we're going to disrupt education. The stuff that really matters, making it lifelong and giving you connections to the right people so you're never, ever lonely again. So assuming unlimited resourcefulness, unlimited resources, unlimited talent, yeah. what's the next... What's the next thing you're most excited about building, assuming all of those things are completely unlimited? So firstly, I think we can replace 98 to 99% of all the universities in the world at a fraction of the cost. I don't think university education is important anymore. I think at the age of 18, we need to get our kids on Mind Valley. At, from the age of 18 onwards, they will be far more successful um, than most universities, maybe equally successful to someone who goes to Harvard. And not only will there be success based on money and career, but their health is gonna be amazing. Their confidence, their self-esteem, their love, the, the, the way they show up as human beings, because regular universities don't teach that. So I think we can replace the entire global university system. Is there some sort of a systematic process for especially young people mm -hmm. to help guide them through which programs to go yeah. through at which, yeah? We're getting better and better at that. Right now the problem is overwhelmed, but as we're building our AI, as we're building, so one of the things we're building is a new approach where you can put your, we take you through a process where you identify your goals, your visions for life, you put it into Mind Valley, And then from that, we design a custom curriculum for you. So the curriculum isn't coming from the university system, it's coming based on a personalized curriculum for you based on the man or woman you decide you wanna be. But then it's not just a curriculum, we then customize your friendships. We introduce you to the right people you need to fulfill your visions and your goals for yourself. What programs are you, when you look at the ecosystem, 
the universe that is Mind Valley right now, where are you like, oh, I really would like to lean in this direction or find some people who could teach this? So right now, what's, what's really big is relationships, love, human connection. And that, I guess, is because the world is coming out of this pandemic and, and loneliness had really soared. And now people just want to connect with each other again. Yeah. Speaking of that, the last time we all met up was Mind Valley Live in LA in 2020, right? And the last university was 2019 in Pula. None of us had any idea that all of this would happen. Well, maybe people who are actually astrally projecting had a really good idea of what was going to happen. But for the rest of us, we had no idea how long it might be before this was all going to happen again and how long we would be apart. Two questions with that. Why did you decide to push for this now, even though it's still, we're still in a period of time where there's certain countries, certain cultures that are like, no, 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 like still can't do big events like this, but clearly it's been fine. And we've, we're all here for about three weeks now. And secondly, is this meaning something different to you? Because like, I keep thinking about like something else could happen two weeks from now, and this could be the last one for 10 years. Yeah. Well, I look at everything from math, probability, and science, right? I also look at things from intuition, but that's a different question. We were able to predict exactly when we were going to have to shut down our office. Um, and we were able to predict exactly when events should open up again, just based on data, based on what we're seeing happening in the world, based on the way the virus was evolving, based on concepts like viral attenuation, based on everything from um, vaccination rates to um, to um, rate of transmission. And so we could see that this event was going to be fine. And um, there are other events happening around the world at this time as well. Everything is fine. Yes, some people did get COVID. My dad caught COVID, but he's 73. And even with him, we know it's fine because the virus has become so much milder. But what is not fine is sacrificing so much of life for for fear, right? And I agree, there were times when we needed to be in lockdown. Um, before Omicron uh, came about and the virus was so much more deadly, we had to be in lockdown for certain amounts of time. Again, that was based on math. We never, we never rebelled across on anything based on emotion. Um, we, we just followed what were the government regulations. But right now, based on the data and the science, we are so safe. So earlier you said that Mind Valley would replace 98% of all universities, yeah. right? Well, we can. We can. Universities will still exist because of cultural um, cultural focus on them because the universities do good, do, do good work in research. Campuses are beautiful places. But what I mean is if you want your kids to be truly successful in life, it's not the university degree that's the most important thing. It's a Mind Valley subscription. Yeah. Are you planning on physical locations? No. Okay. That would slow us down. What we want to do, however, is we are looking at a multiverse, sorry, an augmented reality, reality strategy that would allow us to turn physical locations into places where people can connect and learn. That's sort of happening right now in this space over here at Kulturi Cartel. We have 700 people at any given point in this building attending classes. Uh, we don't own the building, but that's going to be, but right now with the current set of technology, it requires people but soon it's gonna be happening automatically. Mind Valley people will be able to self-organize, self-unite and create classrooms and turn buildings into places of 
collaboration, co-working, coming together and learning. And then final question, do you have any stories from this MVU thus far that you're so fulfilled by, so proud of, so excited by? Oh yeah, the amount of disruption that's occurring in people's lives, including my own. Um, and, and mine. In MVU, we create an, a vortex. Okay, whether you believe in this or not, when a large group of people come together with the intention to grow, you see this in the great religious festivals of the world, you see this in, in, in many situations, you see this in Burning Man, stuff happens. A lot of things will happen that will cause you to face your fears, face your shadows. People are telling me that they broke up with their partner. People are telling me that they met, they, they met the love of their life. People are telling me that their ideas of who they want to be, the businesses they want to start, the businesses they want to leave are emerging. And so it's a period of disruption. The Rumi said the wound is the part through which the light comes in. And people are getting these little wounds that light is shining through. And it's, it's painful. Wounding can be painful temporarily, but then you heal and you're stronger off than you ever were. Same thing's happening with me. I'm going through some crazy disruption. I'm, ideas I had about my life, my identity, who I am, what I want, have been shattered. Shattered, absolutely shattered. <laughs> These were ideas I was really holding on to. And I'm beginning to see new ways of life that I want to step into. Yeah, beautiful, wonderful experience. So I have, I have to go back after this and, and rethink some of my goals and visions. Me too. Me too. So usually at the end of the show, I ask people, uh, when people fall in love with you after listening to this, where should they go? But I feel like that's pretty obvious, right, everybody? Mindvalley.com, yeah. Mindvalley.com. Yeah. You know, um, what, what's more impactful, you know, breadth or depth, right? And to me, it's always depth. It's essentially, and that's why I always ask that question at the end, is if someone really loves something, how deep are they capable of going into the ideas, the concepts, the philosophies that that person talks about? And I always use you as a primary example in the world, in my opinion, of depth, where it's like, no, no, no. If you want to get into this world, it's literally unlimited and infinite and you will mm -hmm. never finish. Like you will just be in the ecosystem and it's it's endless, right? There's, I, don't, I, I doubt there's anyone that's done every single quest right. in its entirety. That would be incredible. And I'm sure there's people that are striving for yeah. it and they're probably amazing at this point. But so I always kind of reference that idea of like, mm -hmm. do you want mass exposure, which, you know, obviously you can also have because Regan Hillier, you can have it all. And how much depth, how yeah. deep can someone go if they love something? No, yeah. very, very, very true. I like breadth. I also like depth. Right. So I like I like teachers who so my value doesn't have motivational teachers. I don't know if you guys know this, but we literally don't do motivation. Um, you get motivated, but the thing is, motivation is fleeting. We want to give you depth. We don't want to just get you rah, rah, get off the chair and get to work. No, that's bullshit. We want to teach you. Like there's, there's so many amazing things about you as a human being. You're literally like God in, in, in meat matter. And there's so many aspects of you that you can learn to understand and study and grow. And when you do that, you find that the world is fascinating but the world inside you like everything that's inside you is so much more magical and this becomes like a new way of of understanding life in yourself and it's infinite i mean you can learn anything you look at let's say let's talk about health right most people just stop at exercise and nutrition but no there's a mind component you can learn about how your your soul influences your energy you can learn energy medicine you can learn how to heal yourself you can learn how to command your body to heal 
You can go into everything from uh, Donna Eden's work to imagery therapy from the Silva method. And the deeper you go, the more amazing it gets and the more you uncover. And, and I think that's like one of the most remarkable things about life. It's, it's depth. Yeah. Do you walk around all the time and as you talk to people and interact with them, I'm assuming for even 15 seconds, and you're like, hmm, there's like seven tools that I think this person would really appreciate. Mm, I only do that for my friends. Only when I get to know people. I never just overprescribe. That's like a doctor going around like saying, hey, take this pill. I, I, I saw that little thing in your eye. Take but this do you pill. think it? No. Okay. I don't. So you, it's but, an on and off switch. But if friends come to me, if friends, it's not even a switch. I rarely suggest things to people. But I will tell friends, hey, look, I'm doing this course and I'm learning this. And if they feel compelled to do the same, they do. I rarely prescribe. Mm -hmm. It's not my job. People who are here are already here to grow. Um, I walk around, I say hi to people when I can, but again, I'm running a show, right? Like I'm running a massive production. And so um, I don't have time to, to, to go deep with people. My job is to go one to many, to bring the speakers on stage, to bring the content together, and to be able to get that out to thousands of people at a time. Mm. Are there any programs you think I should take? With you, I think, so the program I'm really looking into right now is Energies of Love by Donna and David. And uh, it's really about the spirituality of connecting with, with love energy. You told me, Skip, about an experience you had, feeling the vibrations of, of a woman you had hugged. That is the spirituality of love. Love is not just actions that we do. It is not just the feeling we have. There's an intangible aspect to it as well. There's an interplay of energy. Just like there is an energy around our body and you can photograph this, you call it the aura, and we can see that it influences us when we talk about things like the placebo effect. There's an energy between people. And I'm fascinated now by that energy between people. How can you connect with someone at a completely different level? How can you be in someone's presence and feel, feel them without ever touching them? How can you make love without touching someone? These are things which are a whole new era of exploration that I'm finding fascinating right now. And I think Donna and David's program, Energy Medicine, well, it teaches you how to work with your own energy body, but Energies of Love teaches you how to work and, and connect deeply with the energy body of the people in your life your children, your lover, the people that you want a deep connection with. That's what I'm really excited about exploring. Wow, incredible. Well, thank you so much for, for doing this and coming on. I've got so much to work with now. I'm, I'm very excited about it, but thank awesome. Thank you, Skip. Thank you.